Can you dream of a world immune to cancer? Hello everyone, my name is Nick and I'm the host of the annual live stream for The Cure where content creators and podcasters from around the world join me to raise money for the Cancer Research Institute and Immunotherapy Research, which is training the body's immune system to fight against all forms of cancer. Over the past seven years, thanks to the power of indie podcasters and the indie podcasting community and listeners just like you listening to this right now, we have raised over $90,000. And as I record this now, the eighth annual live stream for The Cure is barreling down upon us really, really quickly in just about two weeks. So join us, please, from May 29th through June 1st for 48 hours of amazing content from people all over the world and help us fight for a world immune to cancer. And I'll return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Thank you so, so much. And together, we can make a difference. Letters. You don't really write many these days, do you? But I bet there's one you never forget. Send it off to a certain plump guy in a red suit, and provided you've kept your act together more or less, he'll drop off a toy or two. And yet no one seems to wonder how the whole thing got started in the first place. This is a story about letters, and it began with this one. In a world overflowing with movies, we need a hero. Someone to separate the bad from the Hi everyone, I'm Em and welcome to a very special festive episode of Verbal Diorama, episode 132, Klaus. This is the podcast that's all about the history and legacy of movies you know and movies you don't. Ho, ho, ho. Hello, Santa. Back so soon after appearing on the last episode. Aren't you a little bit too busy for this? No, no, no. I'm always listening to this podcast. It tells me the history and legacy of movies I know and movies I don't. And to be honest, we don't get many movies in the North Pole. In fact, I've only seen two this year. Krampus and Klaus. I enjoyed them both. Well, Merry Christmas, Santa. And what can I do for you today? Well, Em, I'm delighted to announce that it looks like some of your listeners are on my nice list. They're going to be getting lots of gifts this year. And what better way to celebrate their good natures than my backstory on how I became Santa Claus? Well, in that case, consider it my gift to you. Talking of gifts, how am I going to be getting presents or coal this year? You'll find out on Christmas morning. Jess is on the nice list, though. Well, that suggests I'm not, but... Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas, Em. Merry Christmas, Verbal Diorama listeners. Again, Santa, it's Diorama. I think he'd learn. Anyway, it looks like you've been good this year, listeners, because this episode only shows on your podcast app if you are on Santa's nice list, so well done for being a really good person this year. There will be no cold or trips to purgatory for you. Yay. And just on a side note, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to all of you. A huge hi and welcome. Whether you are a returning listener, whether you've listened to Krampus, or whether you are a brand new listener to this podcast, I'm so grateful that you're here for this very special Christmas episode. As I mentioned, 
those that are on the naughty list got an episode on Krampus. Obviously, you guys are on the good list, so you get an episode on Klaus. If you've got both episodes in your podcast app, then I'll be honest, you were probably a little bit naughty and a little bit nice, which is fine because I know who I have been this year. And this episode on Klaus is technically a Nanorama episode. And what that means is this is a shorter episode. I try and focus more on the most important parts of the production of the story. And normal nanoramas, I mean, there's only ever been three, so whether this is considered normal or not, I don't know. I don't even know if I'm going to carry on with the same format next year or whether I'm going to change it, I don't know. But usually I put two movies in one nanorama episode and I decided to do individual episodes for Krampus and for Klaus. As I said yesterday, if you're listening to this on release day, yesterday you got an episode of Krampus and today... Something ever so more lovely and charming. Let's ring the bell for Klaus. Um, hello? <laughs> Jesper Johansson, postman. Oh, uh, Mr. Klaus, you have a gift. You were meant for making toys. So I figured if you donate your old toys, I'll deliver them for free. Tonight, I go with you. There's no need for you to come with me, really. Tonight, then. <gasps> Our cousin told us if we write a letter to Mr. Klaus, he'll make us a toy. <gasps> Dear Mr. Klaus. Dear Mr. Klaus. Shall we, then? Yep. <gasps> Mr. Klaus is the coolest. Klaus? What about me? Ow! Loser. Oh yeah, well if I'm a loser, then you, you're you're a you're a yeah, you're, you're too far, you're gone. Hey, what do you guys think you're doing? This is Smirensburg, the unhappiest place on earth. And you two can't change that. The postman and toy maker are brainwashing everyone! We need to show people that a true selfless act always sparks another. <laughs> Hi! What's happening right now? Oh, no. Holy mother! What happened? Not a word. You just sit there. Be all magical and awesome. Jesper, we're doing it. Let's go! Oh, oh, oh! Wait, wait, wait. Time out. Really? That's how you laugh? Come on, we're running out of time. Those kids are counting on us. If we don't stop them tonight, this town will never be the same. Destroy those toys! No, 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 no! No! Ah! Ha! Eat our snow, you... They're not attached. Why aren't they attached? I thought they were attached. I would never in a million years have done what I just did if I didn't think these were attached. Always have When spoiled, arrogant Jesper distinguishes himself as the Postal Academy's worst student, he is stationed on a frozen island above the Arctic Circle, where the feuding locals hardly exchange words, let alone letters. Jesper is about to give up when he finds an ally in local teacher Alva and discovers Klaus, a mysterious carpenter who lives alone in a cabin full of handmade toys. 
These unlikely friendships return laughter to Smearensburg, forging a new legacy of generous neighbours, magical lore and stockings hung by the chimney with care. The cast of Klaus, we have Jason Schwartzman as Jesper Johansson, J.K. Simmons as Klaus, Rashida Jones as Alva, Neda Margareth Labba as Margu, Joe Cusack as Mrs. Crum, Will Sasso as Mr. Ellingbow, Norm MacDonald as Mogans, and Sergio Pablos as Olaf Crum and Pumpkin Ellenbow. The story of Klaus was by Sergio Pablos, the screenplay by Sergio Pablos, Jim Mahoney and Zach Lewis, and it was directed by Sergio Pablos. And like Krampus, Klaus is based on the actual Santa Claus, also known as Father Christmas, St Nicholas, Kris Kringle or Sinterklaas. Historically, St Nicholas of Myra was an early Christian bishop during the time of the Roman Empire and his legendary habit of gift-giving in secret and giving his parents' wealth to the poor after their death gave rise to the modern tradition of Santa Claus via the Dutch name for him, Sinterklaas. St Nicholas Day, or the Feast of St Nicholas, is observed on the 5th of December in Western Christian countries to honour the saint. And as I mentioned last episode on Krampus, well, Krampusnacht is the day before. And the legend of Santa Claus or St Nicholas or Father Christmas has been somewhat diluted in modern times with the focus on the pagan traditions surrounding the winter solstice, the day to celebrate St Nicholas and the supposed birth of Jesus becoming reformed within the Germanic festival of Yule, along with countless other celebrations during the month of December around the winter solstice. But while many countries and people still retain the Christian traditions, the holiday has become more secular in recent decades and slightly more leaning towards consumerism. I also talked about that last episode too. Klaus would be based on the familiar story of Santa Claus in a take on a real, now abandoned, whaling settlement in northern Svalbard or Spitsbergen called Smearenburg. Not Smearensburg. Smearenburg was founded in 1690 by the Danish and Dutch and was one of Europe's northernmost outposts. Smearenburg was abandoned around 1660 when the local bowhead whale population decimated. In 1973, the abandoned settlement became part of Norway's Nordvest Spitsbergen National Park. Smearensburg is an intentional misspelling, according to writer-director Sergio Pablos. In episode 27 of this podcast, on another charming and underrated movie, it's an Aardman movie called Arthur Christmas, I talked about how Santa delivers in one night. Klaus is almost a precursor to that, an original alternative origin story for Santa himself, and it starts not with Santa, but with a little-known Hanna-Barbera animated musical called Once Upon a Forest. Once Upon a Forest used the additional animation services of Lapis Anuls, Lapis Azul Animacion, based in Madrid, Spain, and one of its key animators in 1993 was Sergio Pablos. Now, you may not know the name Sergio Pablos, but trust me, you will. Because let me tell you what else he was involved with. He moved to Paris to work for Walt Disney Animation Studios as a character designer and animator for a goofy movie. He was an animator for Frollo in The Hunchback of Notre Dame, the animator for Hades in Hercules, character designer and supervising animator for Tantor in Tarzan, Previous episode of this podcast, Treasure Planet, that's episode 36. He was the supervising animator for Dr. Doppler. Pablos left Disney and worked on Stuart Little 3 for Columbia. He also worked on Rio for 20th Century Fox, winning his second Annie Award. He won his first for Treasure Planet. But that's not all. Remember in 2010 when that Pharrell Williams song was everywhere? You know the one, Happy. 
That's from the movie Despicable Me. Everyone knows Despicable Me. I don't even need to tell you Despicable Me. You know who the minions are, especially if you've got children. You know who the minions are. Now, Despicable Me, the story was by Sergio Pablos, based on his original screen story, Evil Me. He also wrote an unpublished children's book called Yeti Tracks, which became the foundation for the 2018 movie Smallfoot. Sergio Pablos has been involved in more animated movies than you think. This brings us up to 2019 and Klaus, but for the story of Klaus, we actually need to go back because, as you should know if you listen to this podcast, animation is a fine art that takes years of hard work. And Klaus specifically took a good two and a half years to actually get made in the first place. But this story starts in 2004. Sergio Pablos founded the SPA Studios with Marissa Roman. SPA is Sergio Pablos Animation in Madrid with a specialization in high-end animation and working for high-end animated productions. Marissa Roman is no stranger to Disney either, working for the company in the communications department at Walt Disney Feature Animation in Burbank, contributing to Mulan, A Bug's Life and Tarzan. SPA Studios worked with huge animation studios like Disney, Universal, Warner Brothers, Sony and Blue Sky before they brokered a deal with Netflix for their first original animated film. Netflix Animation was founded in 2018, an in-house production company, to deliver original Netflix animated series and movies. They had previously worked with partners like DreamWorks, and the first animated movie from Netflix would be Klaus. Now, the only other Netflix movie that I've covered on this podcast is The Mitchells vs. The Machines. That is episode 104 of this podcast. But that movie was bought by Netflix for distribution. That movie was not financed by Netflix. The story of The Making of Klaus first started in 2011 when Sergio Pablos reached out to future Klaus producer Jinko Goto about an idea that he had for an animated feature. Goto, who's also the vice president of Women in Animation, and I'm going to come to that in a little bit, told him that, yeah, it was a good idea, but it would probably be a better book than a movie. Four years later, Pablos was back and blew Goto away with what he had cooked up for this production. And the concept for Klaus went across all these different studios. Various studios turned down the idea for Klaus. They didn't think the idea of a Christmas origin story was good enough. And they actually didn't like the fact that it was 2D animated either. SPA Studios met with Netflix in 2015 and they brought along a two-minute proof of concept. That proof of concept is available on YouTube if you want to look at it, which showed a traditionally 2D animated feature with a difference. Netflix fully bought into Sergio Pablos' vision and invested in the project and gave the team complete creative freedom, which was something Pablos wasn't used to, especially when you work with studios like Disney. Klaus was previewed at the 2019 Annecy International Animated Film Festival and appetites were whetted at how beautiful it looked. Pablos said at the festival, we knew that bringing traditional animation back would not be enough. We had to bring it forward. And bring it forward is exactly what they have done in Klaus. Because while CG is used in Klaus, it's mostly to animate inanimate objects like carts. The vast majority of this movie is entirely hand-drawn, entirely 2D animation. The movie starts bleak and grey and gradually colour and light is brought into this warring town of Smirensburg. But wait, hang on a second. This movie looks totally CG, doesn't it? And you'd be right, it does. 
Klaus is a traditionally animated feature in an era of Hollywood where traditional animation is a dying art. But while it harkens back to the traditions of the past, just like the story of Klaus itself, this is a thoroughly modern production that incorporates technology normally used for CG animation, namely volumetric lighting and textures. Sergio Pablos started his career at Disney in hand-drawn animation and shifted into CG working on productions like Rio. It makes total sense that his directorial debut is a mix of both. He truly believed the best medium for Klaus was the traditional 2D animation, despite the fact that he knew selling the project would be tough. In the late 90s and early 2000s, Disney struggled to revive their 2D animation projects. And by the time The Princess and the Frog came out in 2009, CG animation had more or less fully taken hold. SPA Studios' goal was to keep everything great about 2D animation, but replace limitations. It would feel both old and new at the same time. It wasn't so much an attempt to make 2D look 3D, but to visually develop the medium of 2D animation. But the question always was, how can we get rid of these limitations? Sergio Pablos had reached out to developers and programmers across the world for a solution. It was one of his employees, concept artist Marcin Jakubowski, who had the idea of how they could provide textured light and shade to a 2D image. Sergio Pablos sent him something simple, like an animated head turn, and Jakubowski made it look 3D. It was French studio Les Films du Poisson Rouge that created the proprietary tools used to add depth to the traditionally flat 2D animation to give it light, shade and texture using Storyboard Pro and Harmony, both products by Toon Boom and Toon Boom also provided on-the-fly solutions to animators and cleanup artists. This was a truly traditional process on a truly modern animation system. Up to eight layers of lighting, anything from ambient occlusion, subsurface scattering, rim lights, specular for the eyes or bounce light was introduced onto the hand-drawn frames. The texturing system called MOE allowed the artist to pick any painterly style like wash, watercolor or oil and decide the behavior and size of the strokes and apply it to the image. The actual 3D elements like reindeer would be animated in 2D but then enhanced with the 3D CG elements to make them look better than they actually would have looked in 2D. The production of Klaus also took gender parity and crew diversity into account. Artists from 20 different countries speaking 15 languages joined the crew, with 50% of these people women. Klaus represents a 50-50 split between male and female crew, a goal of women in animation that had been set for 2025. Many of this crew were first-timers, learning as they went from the veteran animators, who were genuinely delighted to pass on their experience and knowledge. Even Sergio Pablos himself, as a first-time director, learned on the job on this movie. And the most amazing thing is, looking at this movie, you would never know <laughs> that so many first-timers worked on this movie because this movie is completely flawless in every possible sense of the word. Despite this being a Netflix movie, fine ads by Netflix for show on Netflix, they realised Klaus was something special. The movie was released on the platform on the 15th of November 2019, ready for Christmas that year, but it also had a limited theatrical run beginning 8th of November 2019 in order for it to qualify for Academy Award consideration, along with nine other Netflix films. And this caused a bit of a furore at the time, with the likes of Steven Spielberg suggesting that Netflix or any streaming movies shouldn't actually be eligible for award season. 
But not only did Klaus qualify for an Academy Award, it was also nominated for an Academy Award. It was nominated for Best Animated Feature, which it lost to Toy Story 4. And this is a great obligatory Keanu reference for Klaus. But honestly, from the bottom of my heart, this film is so much better than Toy Story 4. And I know that's probably sacrilegious, but I kind of don't care. I don't like Toy Story 4 as much as the other Toy Story movies. And this is a better movie than Toy Story 4. Klaus also swept the boards at the 2020 Annie Awards, winning in all seven categories it was nominated in. It also won the BAFTA that year for Best Animated Film as well, on top of a couple of other awards too. And Klaus ended up costing $40 million. And while Netflix don't release financials, they did report that Klaus was watched 40 million times over its first four weeks of release. And to me, this is a movie that's firmly on its way to a Christmas classic status. It's so heartwarming and so beautiful. And we need more movies like this. Not just at Christmas, but movies that push the limitations of animation. It's something that Sony Animation did so brilliantly with Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and The Mitchells versus The Machines. If you're a regular listener to this podcast, you will know how much I love the medium of animation and I place so much value in traditional animation. And it really was only a matter of time before Klaus actually appeared on this podcast. And I can't believe I've actually waited so long. I've waited very patiently to feature Klaus because Klaus is such a perfect example of innovation in animation. And I think I said the same for Spider-Man is the Spider-Verse. I know I said the same for the Mitchells versus the Machines. And I cannot wait to see what SPA Studios and Sergio Pavlos do next. Because if it's anything like this movie, it's going to be spectacular. And you know who will be getting a visit from Klaus. Because I know he's been very, very good this year. And that is Keanu Reeves. I mentioned last episode he wouldn't get a visit from Krampus. He will definitely be getting a visit from Klaus. And possibly me if he's been super, super good. Anyway, I digress. Thank you for listening. As always, I would love to hear your thoughts on Klaus. If you have enjoyed this episode or Krampus or any episode that I've done, actually, I would appreciate it so much if you could take the time just to help Verbal Diorama grow and get onto the radar of other potential listeners. And the ways you can do this, it's really, really easy. You could leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser or Spotify now also accepts reviews. I've had some wonderful five-star reviews on Spotify just recently, and I'm so grateful for those. You could follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Verbal Diorama. And you can retweet, you can like posts on social media, and that always helps with visibility and stuff as well. But really, the easiest thing that you could do is if you have a friend or a family member who loves movies and is really, really interested in how movies are made, just like I am, I am so passionate about what I do with Verbal Diorama. I hope that comes across. But the simplest thing you could do is just tell your friend or family member about this podcast and maybe help them find it on a podcast app. That would be amazing. If you do want to get in touch with me, you can email me. I am verbaldiorama at gmail.com. You can also pop over to verbaldiorama.com as well. A huge thank you, as always, to the amazing patrons of this podcast. I cannot stress enough how brilliant they all are and how vital their financial support has been to this podcast to help with things like new equipment, subscriptions, software. It's really, really invaluable. You're under no obligation to join them, but if you do want to, you can have a look at verbaldiorama.com slash Patreon. But mostly, just a huge, huge thank you to everyone 
who has taken the time to listen to this podcast this year or any year, really. This is the final episode that's coming out in 2021. And I know 2021 has been so difficult for so many of us. There's been new strains of COVID. There's been lockdowns. And for me, podcasting has been a bit of a shining light in all the bleak and darkness of COVID and lockdowns and all of that sort of stuff. Life has tried to get back to normal, but it's been a bit of a struggle for everyone. So just thank you so much for choosing to listen to this podcast. There are so many podcasts out there vying for your attention. And I'm so grateful that you've chosen this one. I'm really proud of what I've achieved for Verbal Diorama this year. It's been an amazing year and I'm so grateful. And Verbal Diorama will return in 2022 and we will be returning with animation season. This is the third animation season that I've done for this podcast. It's one of my favourite things. Klaus is technically an unofficial start to animation season. I suppose I could make it official. <laughs> but technically animation season starts in January. Jess and I wish you a fun, safe and brilliant holiday season, a wonderful new year. Please come back and join me at the start of January 2022 for the first movie of animation season. And that will be The Transformers, the movie from 1986. And finally, he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. Bye. Vision of